and I'm excited. I hope you are too. So let's get even more excited by turning your Bibles now to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't already know, we're having two services today, then baptisms, then everyone's coming right back here to the church for kickoff. We're going to turn all five screens on the Super Bowl. It's going to happen all day here. You can bring your family and friends, bring some food. And as soon as the Super Bowl's over, right when it's over, we're going to turn everything off, and then the stage is going to be filled with worshipers again, and we're going to begin our evening service a little later than 6. It normally starts at 6. Tonight it'll start at like 7 or 7.30, and we'll have our uh, kind of expedited service tonight. So if you need a spot to watch the Super Bowl or want to watch it here, it's going down at 3.30 when kickoff uh, begins. So open up your Bibles now, and let's read. I think this will be week four in the book of Ephesians, beginning in chapter uh, one, verse one. Let's read it together. Um, Remind yourself that Paul is in prison when he wrote this. I I was in jail for a short time in my life. And uh, I remember what that was like and where my mind was, and it definitely wasn't on how's everyone else doing out there, okay? (laughs) Hope everyone's okay. I'm going to write them a letter and encourage them. (laughs) Was where my mind went. The Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, Preacher Paul, Paul. Paul said, I'm in jail. It's not the best day of my life. So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and bless somebody with it. Okay? We call that the secret sauce. That that is serving others. So let's read it together. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus, in the faithful in Christ Jesus. I wonder if when they opened this and read it, like, the saints, oh, no, I shouldn't have opened this. It's for someone else. (laughs) It's to the saints. Go get the saints. Who are the saints? Not the New Orleans saints. We know it's not to them. (sighs) To the saints, to the set apart, to the called, to the ones who are in Christ. It is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of God, you and I, them, us, we all together who are in Christ are saints. Deal with it. It's to you, it's to us. Verse 2, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This reminds me of how I start some of my meals with my kids when they're bummed about what they're eating. I just remind them about how good they have it. I'm like, hey, let's remind ourselves about Mama Alo who lives in Kenya, who we support monthly who we send gifts to and buy chickens for and hope he gets educated. He doesn't have the choices that we do. We just remind them of the blessings they have as kids. Even yesterday was kind of a, uh, I stayed home all day. I went up, got up super early and prayed for some of the men as they went off to a men's uh, breakfast. But I came home and I was home all day and I just counted that as a blessing for our family. Usually I'm out and about. I stayed home. I just thought, we're blessed. But do you forget sometimes how blessed you are? Like all day long. Like your car in front of you is going slower than you want to go, and all of a sudden you're the most cursed person in the world, and yet you have a, a car. You know what I'm saying? Like you're driving, you have freedom, gas in the tank, and, or you're at Starbucks and they mess up your order. Oh, you go to Starbucks? Wow. It, we just forget how blessed we are. We are so confused. And so Paul, wanting his church to know that they are blessed with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. There is no reason to have this frown on our face. It should be turned upside down at all times. Ah, Verse 4, he goes on to list them these blessings. So we're going to go through them this morning, hopefully. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. 
And having predestined us, verse 5, to adoptions as as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Wow. Why did he do it? Because it made him happy. He actually liked to do it. How many of you guys think that God, because he's good, is obligated to bless you? He says, right here, you're good. You got to do it. I got the rules. Or do you think that God actually is walking around good? He really is good. He's the, he's the happiest person in the world. He's the most satisfied, the most benevolent, most kind, most generous. We can't even imagine it. Or, or is he, instead of the father, God, is he the godfather to you? Is he looking for someone to Gestapo, looking for someone to stop, looking for someone to, hey, whip, whip, lightning bolts, lightning bolts, quick, quick, quick. <laughs> it's to the pleasure. It's because of the pleasure of his goodwill. Look at verse 6. Here's why he does all this. It's to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. You see that Jesus is doing everything and all things good. How much pressure do you put on yourself every day? I mean, every day you just wake up so fatigued already. So much pressure. I got I to just so many avenues. I got I to make this happen. Do you know that Satan is looking around, prowling like a roaring lion, just trying to devour people with lies and pressure and accusations, temptations and distractions? And here Paul says, whoa, 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 let's fight. Let's fight against the devil with truth. God has done all things for you already. God has provided all of your needs according to his riches and glory. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say in verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, that means right now, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. What? Paul is out of this world at this point. You realize that, don't you? He is saying that what Christ has done already is both joining heaven and earth simultaneously right now in my cell, in Ephesus, in Newport, in South Beach, right now. It's current. And if you believe that, it'll change everything. If you don't believe that, you'll be in that postponement where you'll be postponing joy, postponing hope, postponing happiness, postponing satisfaction until this resolves, until that gets better, until the Seahawks get in the Super Bowl next year, <laughs> or whatever, whatever your deal is, right? Or, or, like Paul, you can be out of this world and say, in the fullness of the dispensation of the times, He's joined all things together. It's actually right now. Here's the, here's the bullseye. Everything is in Christ right now. It's, it's right now. It's so good right now. Well, no, it's only going to be better once the flowers start to grow. It's only going to be better once spring break happens. It's only going to be better once this relationship dissolves or resolves. It's going to be better once this thing. Don't postpone it. Stop it. Stop the insanity. It's already available to you. Look at verse 11. He says, in him, we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. In him, you also trusted, that's past tense, 
After you heard, that's past tense, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, that's past tense, you were sealed, that's past tense, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, that's a future promise of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Stop right there and let's pray. (laughs) Father, in Jesus' name now, as we look to your word and we've come here to receive your word, we have come here hungry. Those who are spiritual beings having a human experience and you've given to us just enough to remind us that this is very temporal and the things of earth are fading away and the things of heaven are coming soon. You've given us that great glory and that great joy to know you. Not everyone shares that this day, and so we humble ourselves. We say thank you for including us. Thank you for calling us, for choosing us, for predestining us, for adopting us, for presenting us holy and blameless. And I would be the first, and I believe there are many others, who would say I kind of need a lot of help to understand the riches that are in Christ Jesus according to this text. I really need your revelation. really need your help to get this. I want my life to change. Maybe even before I preach right now, if you're listening, if you want your life to change, if you're humble enough to say, yeah, I kind of, I could definitely use an upgrade in my spirituality. I could use an upgrade in my knowledge of God. I could use an upgrade in my understanding of things to come and things that are, and I, I really need a theological boost. Would you just keep your eyes closed, head down, and put your hand up if that's you? Lord, you see the hands that are up, the hungry ones. I just say, yeah, I'm not the smartest one here, and I'd, I'd like to be smarter. I'd like to I just a touch, a touch from God maybe. Lord, I, my hand is up to you. I desperately need you this morning and ask God that you would be faithful yet again to us according to your word, for your glory, by your riches. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 What we're studying here this morning is what Jesus has done and now what we have. Okay, once the workers are done building something, you usually have something to gain from it. Am I right? Once somebody's gone to work for a month or two or six or 12, they have something to provide for you. And Jesus Christ came to the world on purpose with his face set like flint toward Jerusalem. Everyone trying to get him to stop. And he went to Jerusalem and he marched up Calvary's hill and he paid for your sins, paid for mine, rose from the dead and now ascends into heaven, sent his Holy Spirit to live with us until we meet him face to face. Why? Well, so we can watch a Super Bowl later, duh. <laughs> so we can live in a free country, so we can vote, so we can have this and have that. Really? What he has done has provided for you and for me riches inexhaustible, glories unimaginable. And this is just the previews. I've told this story before. The very first time I took Noah for Shet, my eight-year-old now, he was at the time, took him to the movie theater. Gonna bless him. Oh, the movies. Who loves going to the movies? Okay, the rest of you can just pray for yourself. I love the movies. It's fun. You get popcorn and soda. It's dark. No one talks to you. Did I say that? I, I, I took Noah to the movies and I sat him down with his little juice and the popcorn. And after the very first preview was over, he got up, started getting his stuff. He's like, let's go. I said, are you, fr- you thought that was it, huh? Whoa, cool. There's a lot more to come, son. That was just a preview, man. And so many of us are just thinking this is it. We just saw one preview, a little thing, got blessed one time, got baptized, took communion, cried at church. It was awesome. Felt the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. It was good. It was good. What if there's more? 
What if you haven't even started the real yet? What if it's, and I think that's what I want you to consider, all the blessings, all the benefits that are in Christ. <sighs> About four years ago, Pastor Bo and I went to Portland, and uh, we had tickets to go see uh, Matt Carney. And uh, he, we grew up with Matt Carney, and he, he had gotten famous and gotten big, and he was playing in Portland. And so I texted him prior to the concert. I was like, hey, Matt, remember me? <laughs> we'll give this a try, and we'll be at the show. It'd be great to see you. If you have tickets, let me know, you know? And uh, no reply. And so I texted him again two weeks later, no reply. And so eventually I just ponied up and bought two tickets for Pastor Bo and I so we would get in the door. While we're going to the concert, pa- Matt Carney texts me and says, hey, see you at the show. There's tickets waiting for you at the door. And he, dope, you know. So I already bought my tickets. And so we found somebody to buy them from me. And then we went to Will Call, feeling kind of cool, kind of special. I went to Wilcon. We said, hey, uh, Luke Frechette here to get in the show for free, you know. And, and the lady began to look for the tickets, and she couldn't find them. And I said, well, we'll try, try Bo Douglas. He, he's somebody special, you know. And, and she couldn't find the tickets anywhere. And I said, well, this doesn't make any sense. You know, Matt Carney said they would be here. And she said, oh, oh, Matt, oh, okay, well, that's a different book. And she closed that book, and she grabbed another book. And began flipping through this book and found the VIP tickets and found a manila envelope with all kinds of special stuff for us. This is for you guys. And I took the, true story, I took the tickets. They were big stickers you just put on your, on your T-shirt or something like that. I said, now what do we do? She said, you can go wherever you want. I said, I said wherever I want? She said, wherever you want. And I said, can I go backstage, like behind the scenes? She said, yeah. I said, can I go on stage? <laughs> I'm just trying to see where my limits are here, you know? I don't want to go to jail again. <laughs> and, she, and she said, yeah, you can go on stage. Don't be a fool, but you can go. And she said, there's a security guard. Go up the stairs, and he'll show you where you can go and what to do. I've never been to this venue, so me and Bo walking up like we're the kings of the world. And I remember we got up there, and this guy is showing us. He gets us to another security guard. And then he looks at our tickets one more time. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way. And he points up in the balcony. So there's 12 seats up there, just 12 in the whole 1,000-person auditorium. Those tickets get you those 12 front row balcony seats as well. Those are for the family and friends only. And I began walking around. We were backstage. How many of you guys know Owl City? I just told you Owl City. You guys all know Owl City. You just, okay. They're a band, too, apparently. And at the time, I didn't like Owl City. I do now. I know the guy's a Christian, you know, the lead singer. And at the time, they were the headliner band, so we're in the backstage in Owl City's dressing room, like drinking their water bottles, eating their grapes, and no one was there. And all, We had full access to this place, and the story gets better. I don't have time to develop it. I've got some more stuff to talk about in the story. <laughs> but I think there's some of us who are paying our way to get into heaven. We're paying our way to get into the presence of the king. We're, 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 we sent him a text, maybe didn't feel the reply, whatever the case is, and you're, uh, I guess I'll just do my best when in reality, okay, when you use Jesus' name, like we use Matt Carney's name to, to use the illustration, God would give you a VIP pass. Do you believe it, though? Hey, come on in. Come on in. Where, where's, my, where's my limits, though? Well, I don't know. Let me see your, your tag. It says Jesus Christ paid for you. I think you can go anywhere. Well, come on in. I think you can have anything. Well, I don't know about... No. I just want you to consider. Because so, we're so tempted to take care of ourselves. And here's the problem. is You can do a pretty good job on any given day taking care of yourself. You, you can do pretty good until you blow it. Right? 
Don't even raise your hand, but how many of you guys have those great days where you're like, of course I'm a Christian. Look at what I've done. (laughs) And then the other 364 days of the year, you're like, I can't believe I've done this. Oh, no. (laughs) I need you to get this. The person who's writing with such passion, this, this letter, the person who's writing with such expertise and experience is the Apostle Paul who notes himself in other writings as the most studied, the most upright, the most successful, the most affluent, the most educated, the most most of all Jews. More excellent in all ways than anybody else in the whole entire world. And yet when he comes to conclusions like this, he doesn't boast in himself at all. He has nothing to say about himself. He says, it's not, I, didn't, I bought my own ticket. I thought that was the way. I'm a Jew. We do, we're called. We're this. No, 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 no. He's writing now not to Jews. I need you to also understand that very deeply. He's writing this glory to Gentiles, to heathens, to idol worshipers, to crazy people who had found themselves with a VIP ticket into the party. Not because of themselves or what they had done, but because of who Christ was to them. Not only did it change everything about the Apostle Paul, read Galatians for his autobiography. I read it this week, and it's such a blessing to consider what Paul had gone through and as Jesus saved him. Read the book of Philippians as Paul details what he considered now the riches that were his in Christ in contrast to what he had done himself. What this will do for you is it will prevent you from having the thermometer relationship with God that we so often have. Which when I'm doing good, I feel good. When I'm doing bad, I feel bad. And God looks at your thermometer. God looks at your meter between you and him, and it's all Christ. And yet the devil, the accuser of the brethren, day and night, seeking to devour, seeking to discourage, seeking to confuse, seeking to put you down, will get into your head every single day, tell you where you're failing it, where you're not adequate, where you don't understand, where you can't hack it. And Paul in prison says, don't believe the hype. Christ has given to us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every blessing? Every blessing. And he unpacks it. In in Christ, we're saints. You you realize that. In Christ, we're faithful. In Christ, we've received grace. In Christ, we have peace. In Christ, we're blessed. In Christ, we're chosen. In Christ, we're holy. In Christ, we're blameless. In Christ, we're predestined. In Christ, we're adopted. In Christ, we're sons. In Christ, we're redeemed. In Christ, we're forgiven. In Christ, we have knowledge. In Christ, we have an inheritance. In Christ, we're sealed. And in Christ, just in case that didn't get you, we're guaranteed. Guaranteed? Well, I don't know about that. (sighs) Get rid of the thermometer. I'm serious. In Christ. In Christ, you're holy and blameless. In Christ, all things have become new. In Christ, we're rich. In Christ, we have access, VIP. And it's really hard to read the book of Ephesians and continue to have a Debbie Downer attitude When you see what he's done, I would go there with you, though, because some of you would protest in your physical or what some would call the natural. Maybe it's not perfect. Maybe it is all messed up. Maybe the natural isn't going so well for you. Maybe you do have some wreckage in your rear view. Maybe you've got some carnality in your frontal view. Maybe you've got some fear in your future view. Maybe Is life tough for you? Can I just get an honest yes? Okay. 
17 of you have a tough life. The rest of you, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Praise God. Maybe you don't like football. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Here's the deal. Let me just uh, tell you how blessed you are, even in the midst of your trials and situations, even in the midst of your, your setbacks and failures. I love explaining the glories of God through the Bible to my kids and then showing them the reality that even though Paul said these things, experienced these things, and believed these things, he got his head, off, his head cut off his body for believing it. One would think, well, if he believes this, if it's so good, then why did he get murdered? As I said last week and this and next week as well, we are spirits having a human experience. Okay? We're eternal beings having a very temporal time. It's not about here. This is such a small portion. This is the preview of things to come. The real Cinemax Theater experience is yet to be experienced. And all of our blessings are right now blessings, not in temporal places, but in heavenly places. And how many guys right there with me just love temporal blessings? Okay, just be normal. I love them, man. Super fun for like 18 seconds. Okay, then it's not enough. Then I need another. Then I need four more. Then I need yours, okay? That's, how, that's where it goes. The temporal blessings, man. Oh, if I could just, and I could get, and I could have, and I could be, and I could go, and I could do. It will never satisfy you. And so Paul says, hey, all the blessings are in heaven. Look at verse 3. This is kind of where we ended last week. I actually don't remember what happened last week. But verse 3 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ. Okay, our blessings are not on a temporal scale. They're on an eternal scale. And you might think of yourself as a temporal being because that's all you see is the first initial preview. You're an eternal being having a temporal experience and your blessings are in Christ. Let me say it this simply. If you're a Christian here today, every, the best day you'll ever have here is as close to hell as you'll ever get. Okay? It's only gonna ever get better for you. It's going to get, this is the close to hell it will ever get for a Christian. We are eternal bound. The blessings are in heaven. It's going to get better. If you're not a Christian here today, Earth, Starbucks, Disneyland, Super Bowl, that's the closest it will ever get to heaven for you. <laughs> no thanks. That's the closest it will get because you're not eternally blessed. If you're a Christian here today, this is as bad as it gets. It can't get, you're heaven bound. As a matter of fact, I had this uh, uh, pastor, his name's John Minor. He actually did our wedding, my wife and I, in 2001, uh, June 9th. We got married by John Minor. Just loved the guy, so passionate for the Lord. and just would preach and share and yell and scream. He had a little bit of PTSD so I could relate with him a little bit. And I remember one day he was driving by Ashland Christian Fellowship and he was on his bike. He had this beach cruiser and in Ashland you could actually ride bikes because it got warm there. It got above 63. It was kind of cool. And you could ride a bike back and forth. And so he was riding his bike and my pastor, Mark Anderson, said, hey, John, how are you? And as he's riding his bike and his hair flapping in the wind, he just yells, I'm going to heaven! <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. That's a decent answer. And I'll tell you what, he's blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places. We're heaven bound. Nothing can stop us. We're earth bound for a moment, for a season, okay, for right now, and it goes quick. 
just a couple days ago, we were putting the chairs back, me and Rory, our youth leader, and we were here, and the rest of the guys were here, and, and Rory just asked me, how you doing? I had this big smile. We had a bunch of work to do, and I said, dude, I'm going to heaven. Like, that's, that's how I'm doing. It changes everything, the blessings that are in Christ, man. In the midst of the trial, in the midst of the stuff, I wish I could just easy button your life. It's not going to happen. There's going to be some stuff that goes down, but you're still going to heaven. I think it was uh, C.S. Lewis, it might have been another guy, who uh, spoke of not being any earthly good until you're heavenly minded. Some would say you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. The reality is until you're heavenly minded, until you figure that out, you're really no earthly good. You don't have anything really to add to the discussion that Starbucks can't do, okay? You don't have anything to change the reality. Until you're heavenly minded a little bit, until you check that cash, no, no, cash that check, that heavenly check of what God has done for you, you're just another temporal being having a temporal experience with no eternity in mind. Colossians chapter 3 says it this way. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You have to purpose in your mind to believe. Oh, it's okay. I can deal with this migraine. I can deal with this setback. I can deal with this infirmity because I'm not going to be here forever. This one day will end very quickly. We're eternal spirits having a temporal human experience. And until you learn this, you're going to be in a continual battle for happiness and for satisfaction and for peace. You will, until you figure this out, okay, in Christ is where all the blessings are hidden. Now, let me just say this also, because some of you are sitting here today wondering, how does this look? I want to, okay, I want the blessings in Christ. Is there an ATM machine for that? Can you help me out? A lot of people believe, and, and I understand, where they come to this conclusion that the blessings are from Christ, not in Christ. There's, there's a difference. How many believe that if I pray to God for my needs, he'll, he'll hear my prayers and he'll meet my needs and he'll take care of me and he'll be there and provide my monetary needs and my, my uh, ministry needs and my emotional needs and physical needs? I believe God hears those prayers and answers those prayers. But let me tell you what. The blessings that are in heavenly places, every blessing he uses that word to describe them, aren't necessarily, listen, it's important, from Christ, but they, they are Christ. When Jesus went to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he asked her for some water. It's a trick question. She began the dialogue with him. Why are you talking to me? I'm a woman. I'm a Gentile. I'm a Samaritan. You, you're a, all these things. You don't talk to me. And at the end of the conversation, Jesus said to her, you know what I am? I actually am the living water. I'm actually what you need. You're here to get water, and I'm not even going to give you any real water. I'm, I am the water. To, to the hungry, he would say, I am the bread. To the lost, he would say, I am the way. To the depressed, he would say, I am the truth. To the ones who needed to be found, he would say, I am all things. And I would just say, I guarantee you, this might just be for a couple of people here today. What you're looking for right now isn't from Christ. It is Christ. <laughs> you get that one, and nothing will ever rob you again. I'm serious. When Christ is your joy, when he is your joy, not that he brings you joy from things, a bill paid, a sale made, a goal accomplished, 
when Christ becomes your goal, when Christ becomes your blessing, then you win. Uh, once you figure that it's him you're looking for, life gets real fun, okay? Guaranteed, guaranteed. Let's keep reading. And uh, I want you to see uh, that this is his choice for you, not yours for yourself. He goes on to say these blessings uh, come in the way that he chose, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Have you ever chosen to do something and it never comes to fruition? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to do this. And you're like, okay, good luck, honey. Appreciate your New Year's resolutions. That's great. I, I, okay, that's a good choice. Or maybe you've chosen to do this or chosen to go there. And maybe you've chosen, I love hearing, maybe I shouldn't say this. I love hearing seniors when they graduate from high school and their aspirations for what they're gonna do next. I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna go there, and I'm gonna do that. And I'm like, really? That's cool. <laughs> that's just me, sorry. I won't say that's the next service. When we choose to do something, there's no guarantee. When Christ chooses something, it's guaranteed. Okay, it's his choice. He, he chooses to do this. He's not halfway Herbert. He's not unable to do what he has chosen to do. And when he chooses to do something for you, it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. And you can sit here today and you can relax in the goodness and in the kindness and in the graces of Jesus Christ. Look at verse four, just as he chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holding without blame before him in love. He's gonna do it for you. He chose it. You ever been chosen before? You ever, you ever just had everything handed to you? I remember one time I was 13 years old, my mom got a phone call from Mark Watkins. I literally was in bed sleeping still, and my mom woke me up. She said, hey, I got you a job today. <laughs> I said, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm good. Don't you see I'm in bed? Mark, no, Mark Watkins, the owner of Subway, called me. He actually is recre- choose, He wants you to come work for him. And it was April. I turned 14. Legally, I could work the next month, but I started a little early. It's okay. And I remember being chosen. I got to work, and he equipped me right there with shorts, Subway shorts, a Subway belt, a Subway shirt, and a Subway hat. My first job ever. I remember it. Four seventy-five an hour. And I worked for him. And I, was, I was chosen by him, recruited. Jesus Christ chose you. You didn't choose him. Just trip out on that a little bit. It'll change everything about the way you see yourself, okay? Right now, you might see yourself as an imposter, one who doesn't belong at the party, one who's gonna get kicked off the team any minute, one who's gonna get the cops called on him, the spiritual police, unless you realize it's not you who chose to be part of this, it's God who chose you. He recruited, he actually wanted you. He woke you up out of your slumber, out of your sleep, put you on his team, and then equipped you with everything you need to be part of his franchise, why would he do that? Why would he do that for you? He does it for many reasons. You don't even need to worry about those reasons today. We'll get into some of them, but you need to believe today that you didn't do this to yourself. He chose you. That then will give you some confidence. Okay? He chose you before the foundation of the world, which literally means that he saw the beginning from the end. Okay? How many of you guys believe God can see the beginning from the end? It's not that hard to believe God can. <laughs> he kind of made the whole thing. He sees it all. He said, yep, they're mine. Not only will I choose them, but I see in my providence, I see in my predestination, I see in my foreknowledge, the book of Romans says, that they will in turn choose me. That I will love them first, the book of 1 John says, and they will respond by loving me. Did you know that not all people will respond by loving God back? 
God has made every single man and every single woman in his image. The Bible says that God wills that none should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of saving grace, that all should be his, not all will. If you have, it's his choice. That just kind of settles me down a little bit. I get all scared. Am I going to be able to finish the race? Am I going to be able to do anything right? Am I going to be able to show up and conquer? Am I going to? Oh, wait, he chose me. That's right. I was taking a nap and didn't even want to be here. And God tapped on my shoulder and God tapped on your shoulder as well in order to present us holy and in order to present us blameless, okay? If you're in Christ, you're chosen, you're fully equipped. And uh, if you need more proof, he goes on to use different language uh, detailing the same action. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. Again, this word predestined means that God in his foreknowledge knew how all of eternity would work, all eternity would end up. And I believe the way I simplify it for my understanding, God knew how it all would work and liked it. I like that. I like how it all works. Let's do it. And he began creation and started it at the very beginning, and it's been going according to his predestination ever since then. He knows all things. He's not surprised by anything. You and I, we're like deer in a headlight. What's happening? Not so our God. He has predestined us to be adopted as sons by Jesus Christ. Now, again, this is you, if you're here today in Christ, you've been predestined to adoption. I want to talk about adoption just briefly because there's two different ways you need to apply this. You need to apply this to your life today if you're in Christ. God chose you and he predestined you and he adopted you. Two different facets of adoption I want you to consider. One is personal and one is positional. The first one we'll understand better, which is personal adoption. We all get this picture of adoption. You've seen somebody who's adopted. You've seen somebody who hasn't had a family, now gets a family. Isn't being looked after, now is being looked after. Isn't included and is now included. And this adoption is personal. It's familial. It's family. 40% of kids today uh, don't have dads uh, in our country. And uh, over half of all uh, children born uh, to women 30 years and under are born out of wedlock uh, without a dad. Uh, so this, this idea of a father coming into your life as your dad adopting you in speaks to our heart. As a matter of fact, throughout history, Christians have had a heart for adoption. In other countries and in other cultures, uh, children were unwanted and even thrown out with the trash. And the church, who has the heart of God, would come and adopt kids. And this adoption is personal. Acceptance comes from God the Father. As a matter of fact, check this out. In the Old Testament, God is not necessarily noted as a father very often, that, that term. He's more noted as God. He's God, man, don't mess. <laughs> True. Jesus comes on the scene. He says, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be our name. What? You want us to address God as Father? Yeah, I'm making that connection now. I'm making a way for you to be adopted. I'm making a way for you to use his name, Abba, Father, a term of endearment. And it, it, while you may have had a good family, you may have had a mom and a dad, some brothers and sisters and a roof over your head, things were good for you. Listen, spiritually, you were not born that way. You were born destitute. You were born without a heavenly father. And through Christ, in Christ, you are now adopted in. If you have a good father... And you were able to approach him and climb up on his lap. I've got three kiddos. And, and I'll tell you what, they have access to me. 
over anybody else. If, if one of my kids needed me right now, you would all be on your own. Sorry. Those are my kids. So too, your father in heaven. Do you believe it? Your father in heaven. You might not have had a good dad. You might not have grown up with a dad at all. You might not even know your dad right now. And to talk about God being your father is a disconnect. You need to understand and believe that God is your father. He's adopted you and it's personal. You're part of the family. The church is your family. We're connected. It's amazing and it is a blessing. Look at verse 5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Okay, that's personal. I also want to talk about positional adoption. This is a little different, just as important. When it says here that he's adopted us as sons, okay, literally what that's speaking of is a position that we now have in the family business. When you were adopted in Roman times at that time as a son, it wasn't just that you were a male, but that you now were part of the family business. When you were adopted, you were giving line and lineage and legacy into the family dynamics. Whatever the family had to offer, it wasn't just personal and familial. Now it was positional and it was practical in action. You now had a a mouth. You were a representative of the family business. You had part of the inheritance coming your way and part of the responsibility given to you right then and there. What that means for you and what that means for me is not only are we personally adopted into the family of God. Oh, it feels good to be part of the family. But we also are positionally and practically deputized ambassadors of Christ with roles and with a mission and with a voice, male and female, to lead, to teach, and to declare the things of the family business, which is God's grace, Christ's riches. The reason I say that is because most of us in here say, yes, oh, I'm adopted into the family. Ah, oh, so good. Can't wait to go home. Can't wait to die. That's going to be so good. But until then, you don't realize you've been given opportunity. You've been given, uh, you've been, you've been given access and you've been given activity to then declare and walk in the things of God and to be a deputy representing him in your fields. I say that to say this. There's so many people right now who don't take advantage of the fact that you're positionally put in charge of the family business. You're not doing anything for Christ. You're stoked to be in Christ, but you're not actually a representative of Christ. Wrongfully so. When you become adopted in, in this culture, you were given authority to be an ambassador, to be a leader, to be a mentor, to be a coach, to be a counselor, to be a teacher, to be a preacher, to be a friend, to be a pointer, to be a grabber, to be one who knows the king and leads others to know him as well. Okay, this happens both organically and it happens in an organized fashion. It happens on so many different levels when a man and a woman, when a people realize, I, can, I actually should be telling people about Jesus. I'm authorized. I'm adopted in. I can go to a life group and share. I can pray. I can actually tell my kids. I can tell my coworkers. I can have a Bible study. Recently, I just got a, a text from somebody. I don't want <clears throat> to embarrass. I'll just tell you her initials. Her initials are Sarah Deal. And uh, she uh, was uh, at the Shell station, and she saw some people there from her past life that were uh, doing things that she uh, once did, and she didn't want to even look at them. I don't want to associate anymore. It's a different world, and it turned out they needed a ride. She ended up knowing them. She gave them a ride, told them the gospel, and their minds were blown. Amen. Her conclusion at the end of the text was, here's the deal. I want to do that more often. 
That was her, her I, I want to tell more people about God. I, and, and it was almost as if she was asking for permission a little bit. Like, how do I do this? And I remember the first time with one of my friends, he was uh, discipling a younger man, a high school kid, and they were in the woods, and his mom was there, and a bunch of people were there, and he called me. He's like, he wants to get baptized. <laughs> and I was like, James, you do it. You baptize him in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Okay, right, you do it. You lead him in this. And it was a woo moment for all of them. And there's a problem with this stage mentality, with this whole stage thing, this whole hierarchy, this whole division that's unnecessary at some points. It's also biblical in Ephesians chapter 4. There's pastors, prophets, and teachers, and evangelists. We know that there's calls and election. We know that. But the reality is if you're part of the body of Christ, okay, you're a leader right now. You're an ambassador right now. What's stopping you? Nothing's stopping you if you're in Christ. You're adopted into the family business. Not only is it personal, oh, I'm adopted, okay, but it's also positional. I'm an ambassador. I actually get, I don't deserve it. I get to represent Jesus Christ. I get to represent my father. I am an heir. I, I matter. I count. My voice, the message I have will change lives. The message I believe will deliver souls. And how many of you guys have that message right now? Just It's right here, and you don't want to give it to anybody because you're not worth it. You haven't figured it out yet. Listen, when you're adopted in, you're adopted in with that purpose. Look at verse 5. Why would he do this? Having predestined us to adoption, that's personal and positional, as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Did you know, again, God is so much more generous than you could even imagine? You guys maybe from time to time think that when you're generous, you're kind of being like God. I was just generous. Just want to, you know, gave him a buck. Gave him a dollar. Super nice. <laughs> Listen, God, according to his generosity, said, oh, 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 let's adopt some kids. Let's give them a family. Let's actually give them the keys to the kingdom. Let's put them in charge. Up in heaven, everyone's like, whoa, 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 budget down, budget down. You're crazy. And God says, no, no, I'm good. I'm really, really good. And I don't know about you, uh, but I'm not always in a good mood. I'm not always um, really excited to be generous and kind and benevolent. I, I think one time I was, maybe, maybe once. And uh, <laughs> if, I, I, I just ask you are, you, are you in a good mood even right now? God is. He's in a good mood right now. He's stoked. A lot of people look up in heaven and think God's the cosmic killjoy, just trying to ruin everything. He's the, the big buzzkill in the sky. That's not true. He's abs- Look at verse 5. Why did he do this? According to the pleasure. No, 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 I said that wrong. According to the good pleasure of his will. Man, I hope you get this. I hope you believe this. His will is full of good pleasure. Not just is it because it blesses him, it glorifies him. Look at verse six. Here's the second reason why you would be adopted, why you would be authorized, why you would be deputized, why you would be used, why you would have the blessings that are in Christ. Okay, it's his good pleasure. He loves it, but it also brings him great glory. Look at verse six. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The reason this is happening, the reason this can happen, the reason this will happen is not because of you and your worth. (laughs) How many of you guys right now are under the impression? Maybe a few of you are. Well, of course I'm a Christian. Of course he adopted me. Of course he wanted me on his team. He's not dumb. He knew what I would become. He knows. (laughs) 
Some of you maybe think that way. <laughs> when God chose the children of Israel, he led them. You guys know the story. Okay, he chose Abraham, gave him Isaac, multiplication happened. Okay, they got in trouble. They went to Egypt. He delivered them, and he led them through the wilderness wandering. It's a great story, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the longest sermon in the whole Bible, okay? It's Moses about ready to die, and he just gives them Deuteronomy. You can just memorize that. It's like, dude, you're on to me. Deuteronomy. <laughs> he gives them this sermon before they go into the promised land. So he's been with them for 40-plus years in the wilderness and then beyond that 400 years and all that. I've mean, just been with them, man. And he tells them something. Listen, please. He tells them this in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and Deuteronomy chapter 9. He says, by the way, when I chose you guys, it wasn't because you were big. It wasn't because you were mighty. It wasn't because you were brave. I actually chose you because you're small and you're stiff-necked. <laughs> you're, you're hearing the sermon. You're like, amen? <laughs> you know? Should I take notes? Is that like one of those forgettable lines? He writes it down. The reason God chose you is because you're nothing. And when God uses nothing to do something, it brings him glory. Deal with it. You're small, not mighty, and stiff-necked. Stiff-necked means you have a real strong opinion, and it's the only one that you listen to. And God has to... And God labors long with... He chose you, not because of you. This sets you so free. (laughs) This sets you so free from, again, the thermometer. How am I doing? I did this. Am I good? I did this. Am I bad? Listen, God didn't choose you because of you. He chose you because it brings him good pleasure and because it brings him great glory. When God uses you to do amazing things, he gets the glory, not you. It's to the praise of the glory of his grace. (laughs) This is so much more fun to be a deputy, to be adopted, not putting the pressure on yourself, but realizing that me in and of myself have nothing to bring to the table but through God when I'm accompanying myself with him. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Let me use an illustration. If the NFL contacted South Beach Church later today, <laughs> and said, we would like in the next season for Oregon to have an NFL sports franchise. They don't have one, and we want you guys to actually host that team. And uh, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you Terrell Owens. We're going to send you Sherwin-Williams and Marshawn Lynch. We're going to send you Aaron Rodgers. We're going to keep Peyton Manning. He could be your third string. We're going we're to send you this team. Because he's retiring. We're going to send you the best offensive line, the best defensive team. We're going to send them to you. We just, we just pulled a fast one. It's going to be crazy. And we want Pastor Matt Harner from South Beach Church to be the coach. <laughs> now, imagine with that team and with Pastor Matt as the coach, imagine if we won a game or two. Now, with that team, those guys would look at Pastor Matt and say, we got this, bro. And they would go out there and they would win some games, maybe two or three. They would pull it together, Right. And it would be noteworthy just because of the weirdness of it all. But listen, what if it was different? What if the NFL contacted us and said, here's what we want. We want South Beach Church to, to form a team, an NFL team. You can call it the South Beach Church, uh, I don't know, Starfish or something like that, or <laughs> the, the SBC Seaweed or something. I don't know what you're going to call it. And, and we want you guys to form a team. We want Pastor Matt to be the coach, okay? And we want Joe Frechette to be the quarterback, Okay. I want Ben Chestnut to be the right tackle, so don't blow it, Ben. you got to keep my dad safe. We started just naming people in, in the congregation. 
Okay, you're going to be the wide out. I don't know what that does. Look it up. You know, you're going to be the receiver. What if we put our, and let's say we put together our team, which is us. And let's say we won a game in the NFL. And let's say we didn't win one, we won two. And let's say we won the Western Conference Championship. And let's say we made it to the playoffs and we won the playoffs. And let's say we made it to the playoffs beyond that. We made it to the Super Bowl. And let's say the South Beach Church Seaweed won the Super Bowl with Joe Frechette as the quarterback. And Matt Harner is the coach. ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Huffington Post, National Enquirer, they would all be there wanting a piece of this story because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's, ap- it's actually impossible for us to win an NFL game with the, just us. God has chosen the base things of the world, the normal people, the people with flaws and that know it, the people with chinks in their armor, with inabilities, with temptations, with flaws and weaknesses to do something great and to do something mighty to the praise of the glory of his grace. Do, do you realize that? This will set you at such ease when you see yourself as a non-eligible NFL-type player. I could never make it in the NFL. Perfect. I could never make it in and of myself in the kingdom of God. Perfect. And Paul, who was the best, the most studied, the brightest, the biggest, the most likely to succeed, was humbled and brought low and introduced to the riches of Christ. Read Galatians. It took him 14 years to understand what God had done through Christ. And then he began to lead, teach, and share it with other people and pen it and give it to us before he realized it's not about me. It's about him. Well, why would it be about him? Because he's a father and he adopts and he loves the unlovable. And he gives himself to those who have nothing to give back. And he uses them in order that he might receive the glory in the end, in order that all eyes, all tongues, all knees, all people would submit to him and say, you're crazy. How did you do it? How did you win with this ragtag bunch? You are so strong in the spirit, the spirit of God that dwells in you and in me richly. Again, all of us are immediately going to weigh ourselves spiritually. Wow, how am I doing? Did I memorize enough verses this year? Did I, did I pray enough prayers? Did I have enough quiet time? I was quiet, but I was sleeping. <laughs> and you're going to weigh yourself. Or, or you could say, you know what? It's not me, but it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. As a matter of fact, I would say you're the 9 a.m. service. Most of you want to live your lives for Christ. You want to do it, and that's an admirable want to. But if you don't do it right, you'll do it wrong. That is, you'll try and live your life for Christ in and of yourself. You'll try and do it yourself. I want to do it. I got to do it. Got to grab my boots and pick myself up. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 2, it's the power verse, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me. I've been crucified with the flesh and the life that I now live, I live in him. I'm hit, it's him. It's him. You're guaranteed, predestined, adopted, accepted because of his good pleasure to the praise of the glory of his grace. I'm gonna ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes as we take communion now and believe this to be true and celebrate what he has done and ask God to set us free from 
examining ourselves and our worth. But instead, as the Bible instructs, examine yourself to be sure that you are where? In Christ Jesus. That's the ticket. Make sure you're in. Make sure that it's the blessings that are his, not your own achievements. Make sure it's the freedom that comes from knowing Christ. Father, in Jesus' name now, as we prepare to take communion, as we prepare to celebrate, we do exactly, Lord, what you've asked us to do. That is to believe on him who you have sent. That is to receive it into even our beings, Lord, as we take the bread and take the cup. We make it personal. And I pray in Jesus' name for my friends here who are gathered here this this morning. who have this match, this wrestling going on with how good they're doing or how bad they're doing. Lord, may we glorify you by believing that your son did great, that your son is great, that it is through him we are accepted. It is through him that we are holy. It's through him that we're blameless. It's through him that we've been adopted. We, We have a family now. We're not alone. We're not alone. The family of God is our brothers, our sisters. The family of heaven is is our father who loves us, who hears us. Who when we speak to him, quiets all of heaven and says, be quiet. One of mine's talking. And he listens to you. He loves you. And he's given to us not just his ear that we might speak to it, but he's also given to us his word that we might share it with others, that we might be deputized, that we might be lines and lineage and sons and daughters and ambassadors of Jesus. Lord, may this church be free to share, free to love, free to pray for people, free to pick hitchhikers up and give them the gospel, free to tell their friends and their family, their coworkers that Jesus loves them, that you have authority to share that love with them. Bless us. May all that Jesus has done be ours to enjoy. You declared that the riches that are in Christ Jesus are ours. All of them are ours. If there's anybody here this morning that would say, I I want in, Pastor. I want to be in Jesus. I want my life to be hidden in him. I am a sinner, and I need to be forgiven of my sins, and I want to give my life to Jesus, and I want to live for him on earth until I die. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be part of the family. I need to be saved. Would you just raise your hand right now as a way of surrendering to Jesus, saying, I want to be saved. I need to serve the Lord. I need his help, and I want him to take me to heaven when I die. Raise your hand up. Lord, I see hands up. In Jesus' name, do do what you do, Lord. Seal. Seal and set apart, Lord. And fill those who raise their hand. Fill us, Lord, to be those who walk for your glory and your joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me? And when you're ready to take believers' communion, come down the center aisle, take your communion back out the side aisle, and there'll be people on my right and left to pray for you during this time as well. The tables are open.